Chapter 12, Part 1 So what's Helen Hold like? Erica asked, talking up through the slit. Both her and Christian wanted to ride out front with Jenner, but he was against it, wanting to keep them on a low profile. It's a passable village, as villages go, Jenner started. It was late in the evening, and he was hoping to make the hold by then. It used to be just a straight shot from Bothwell to Calment, but too many caravans and merchants fell victim to the Dark Fay in the mountains. Dark Fay? I thought they were just mischievous tricksters who snuck in your house and ate your food, or occasionally ran off with a goat. Erica said, straining against the slit, as if pushing on it would make her head get through. Christian had taken to cleaning his crossbow. You keep that thought to yourself while we're in the hold. Sneak in neat families, occasionally running off with a baby is more like it. They do not go far from the mountains, Christian added, looking up from his work. Dad used to have the patrol watch the lands around Calment. They never ran into anything other than someone so drunk that they had lost their way, or some young couple thinking the bushes made a good place for a late-night tryst. He said in ten years of patrol, they never saw a single dark fay. Outside of Hallen's Hold, few people have, Jenner said. They kill whatever they attack. Then they haul everything else back to their lairs and eat the animals. Some people have seen them from afar, dancing and running along the low hills and mountain plateau, cackling and screaming to their deity. What do they look like? Erica asked. They're a little shorter than you, give or take a foot, Jenner explained. They have small, thin frames with spindly arms and legs, with large, oblong skulls. Most say they have ash-black skin, but, since they only come out at night, it's not for certain. The flesh holds tight to their bones like parchment stretched taut over a frame. They have long arms and legs, with appendages like hands on the ends of both, allowing them to run fast and hold objects in all four limbs. Twisted obsidian horns spring like the rack of deer from their foreheads. The points are both sharp and, rumors say, poisonous. You sure know a lot about them for something that is hard to see, let alone catch, Christian added. I said outside of Hallen's hold, they're rarely seen, Jenner countered. Luckily, or unluckily, some would say, we live next door to a place that encounters them daily. The hold was first built as a stopover where travelers could defend themselves from the night raids, instead of being out in the open and easy pickings. It was an unmanned tower that could be defended. It helped at first, but not much, as the average peasant or merchant still wasn't well learned in martial combat. The Dark Fae learned to scale the walls, and eventually infiltrated it one night, when no one was there. After the Dark Fae ambushed and slaughtered the next caravan that came through, the Bothwell military took interest. Brigadier Captain Jerry Hallen and a squad of 50 hand-picked soldiers went to the hold during the day and exterminated the denizens. Then they set up camp, fighting the Dark Fae during the night 
and expanding the walls in defensive position during the day. A few weeks later, they sent word to Calment, Bothwell, and beyond that skilled tradesmen and shopkeeps interested in making large sums of money if they could deal with a little danger were needed in the hold. A few came at first, but over the years, the weak got weeded out and the strong stayed, and the hold became stronger for it. How do you know so much about the hold? Christian asked. I wrote a play about it. But why would someone want to live there? Eric asked. Between us three, I couldn't agree more. But who are we to question that? If it weren't for them, we'd have to deal with the Dark Fae tonight. Any traveler that comes through here would. They do it because it makes them feel good. And they're the type of people who enjoy that kind of life. But even so, how do they make it? My dad went through the hold on several meetings with the Watch Council in Bothwell, and he said it was more like a military fort than a city. How do they keep basic goods and supply? I cannot imagine they farm the fields, Christian chimed in, taking a seat next to Erica. By charging the people who pass through here through the nose for goods and services, Jenna replied. Oh, Christian said. The military hasn't supplied funds outside the original attack years ago. They need to make money to bring food in and pay the people that work here. So in return, you might be able to stay at a decent inn in Bothwell for a week for what it costs to stay in the hold for a night. But you have your life and the next morning in the hold. Which reminds me, be especially careful. I trust you two, but know that any crime in the hold, no matter how slight, is punished with death. That is a bit much. Not enough room for jail cells. Christian asked. Oh, they have cells. They're just outside the walls of the hold. Criminals don't stay more than a night, Jenner said. He thought he heard the two shiver on the other side of the carriage wall. It's a town that lives and dies by its trust in its citizenry. They don't have time to deal with the tax from the inside when they have enough to worry about from the out. But don't let all this discourage you. Just don't worry about it, and everything will be fine, Jenner added. Christian and Erica looked at one another, nodding, but their fears were not lessened. Jenner made excellent time, and the sun was still above the mountains when the hold came into view as they went around a bend in the pass. The stone walls rose over fifty feet, Christian marveled, higher than any building in Calment. The bottom twenty were coated in steel, barbs, and spearheads jutting out to dissuade climbers. Erica squeezed Christian's hand as they approached the gates. They could see dozens of steel cages strewn about the fields to either side. Dried blood and tattered rags caught amongst the bars. Jenner had asked them to keep quiet until they reached an inn, to just listen, and to do as instructed. We've fallen on hard times indeed when the Lord drives his own carriage. Jenner squinted, trying to make out the person who hailed him. He knew a handful of the guards from frequent trips to Bothwell. Posh, Jenner yelled out. And to be recognized by the same lord, 
The stars must have aligned for me. Pleasure to see you again, sir. Good to see you again, Posh. So what brings you through this time? Uh, my theater falls on rather hard times recently, if you hadn't heard. I'm taking one of my protégés up to Bothwell, though maybe the dance hall could use her for a bit as well. Fair enough. Where's Gregory? Usually like to take up a game of cards with him when you pass through. Oh, he's putting my affairs in order back in Calment. I'll tell him to come by sometime for a night or two of cards. The crowd at the Solitary Tower likes his company. Will do, Posh, will do, Jenner finished, urging the carriage through the gates. Oh, um, sorry, Jenner, Posh said, looking a shade of red, but nonetheless moving his spear to block the carriage's entrance. It's, uh, six gold to enter the hold. He looked down at the dirt as he finished. Six gold? I can sleep five people for a night here at that price. Old Helen expecting a harsh winter? Jenner said, nearly falling out of his seat. In truth, he did not care, but he needed to keep up appearances. You can blame the cheapskate merchants, Posh said. A few weeks ago, a caravan passed through, slept in their wagon. No one really thought anything of it, until a few days later, had a few more merchants who did the same thing. And then the ones that came back through from Calment did it again. Helen realized they were skipping out on paying for rooms for themselves, their passengers, and their animals. So he instituted a fee to enter the gates. Three gold ahead, no exceptions. Three gold? Jenner asked. Yes, sir. But on account of the charges, room prices are no more than staying at any other inner tavern in the area now. Jenner nodded, waving the man forward. He reached into his coin purse and counted out the money. Lords Jenner, are you all right? What happened? Posh asked, noticing the blood-stained shirt and tears tears in Jenner's clothing. Word of advice, Posh. When a bear comes to the same stretch of river you do for a drink, don't fight the bear. Jenner rattled off in his best deadpan expression. Posh looked at Jenner and burst out laughing. Only you, Jenner. <laughs> Only you. Jenner smiled, dropping the coins into his open hand. Posh looked at the coins, counted, then looked back to Jenner. I think that bear hit you a little too hard. You gave me too much, Posh said, handing back some of the coin. No, no, keep it. I didn't know about the gate fee. My student has her own servant. Didn't think to bother mentioning him, but, you know, a head's a head. That it is, sir. Always an honest gent. Thank you, Posh. Inside the carriage, Erica's face broke into a smile that went ear to ear as she turned her head to look at Christian. She pointed at him and mouthed the word servant, then smiled again. Christian rolled his eyes and shook his head, making a note to thank Jenner later. The carriage lurched into motion, and they heard the gates swing open as they rolled into the walled village of Hallen's Hold. The hold was unique unto itself. It had neither the open, friendly market feel of Calment, nor the regality of the royal city of Bothwell. The citizens moved with a purpose that paralleled their proximity to danger. 
There were no carts or stalls set up along the streets with people hawking their wares. Rows of stone buildings lined the streets, with slab roofs propped up. The supports could be knocked loose by the occupants, causing the weighted overhangs to slam closed in seconds. The Dark Fae had never breached the walls since Hallen took over, but the engineers of the village felt interior protection was just as important if it ever came to that. Most cities sprung up from nothing. A handful of travelers who settled somewhere, and the city grew up around them, turning into urban sprawl. Helen's hold was a tight-knit gridwork of symmetrical rows and columns. No building was taller than two and a half stories, with no individual living quarter exceeding one. After the limited space inside the walls was filled on the ground, the only direction they had to build was up. Most of the building's basements had been refinished into living or workspaces as well. Residences were intermingled, intermingled with tradesmen and inns, so that no one resource was clustered in any one location. Jenner led the carriage down the main thoroughfare and took a left after three streets. You two best change, and tidy yourselves up as best you can, Jenner whispered in through the slit. We're almost there. The wound on his face had turned out to be superficial at best, only the tips of the assassin's fingers catching his skin. The holes in his cheek had stopped bleeding, and a few minutes after the fight had scabbed up. He kept his eyelid closed most of the time, making sure the skin healed right, blinking it every few hours. It was also on the mend, but would leave a minor scar. Christian changed first, standing in the middle of the carriage and digging his spare clothes out of the bag, while Erica sat with her hands over her eyes. Once he was finished, he switched with Erica, who changed into the rehearsal outfit Jenner had made for her. Now remember, since you're my servant, you should probably address me as Miss Du. She was interrupted as Christian put his hand up over her mouth, shaking his head. At first, Erica was disappointed, thinking Christian was not going to play along. You should probably call yourself something else, since we are trying to keep a low profile and all, he offered. Oh, right, Erica said. Miss Sapphire, Christian said, playing off the color Erica had dyed her braids the night before they had to flee. I like that, Erica said, then noted Christian's determined look as he studied her face. What? Hold still for a moment, Christian said, digging a sheet out he had grabbed in case he wanted to turn his backpack into a makeshift pillow. He folded the black material over twice until it was more or less rectangular in shape. Hold your hair up like you would if you were to put it into a ponytail, he instructed. Erica gathered her hair up and held the bunch behind her head. Christian placed part of the sheet against her forehead, then wrapped it around to the back. Then he took the handful of hair from Erica and wrapped the remainder of the sheet around it, concealing her hair inside. He then folded the back of the sheet over and tucked part of it up into the back of her shirt collar. My mom taught me this after she learned it from the wife of an Arcturian merchant in the marketplace. It is kind of like a hat so you do not have to fix your hair if you are in a rush. Christian said, adjusting it a little. I never thought I would ever use it, but in your case, your braids are a dead giveaway who you are, 
We should probably dye your hair all the same color. Ooh, like green or purple? Um, I was thinking more like blonde or brunette or auburn. Something that will not stand out in the crowd. I guess I'd be okay with auburn. Are you two done yet? Jenner asked, standing outside the door. The carriage had long since come to a halt. There's no stage waiting out here for you. Miss Sapphire will be ready in a minute, Christian said. Smart kid, that, Jenner thought, another minute passing before the door opened, and Christian stepped out, then helped Erica. She smiled and gave a little curtsy to Jenner. Smarter kid, Jenner corrected himself, noting the Arcturan weave. This is the sunrise. It's going to be our home for the night, he said, leading them around to the stairs down. Jenner tipped the servant who led the carriage off to the stables that housed carriages for this section of the town. They descended the flight of steps, Jenner leading, followed by Erica and then Christian. He pushed in through the door at the bottom, and the light and glow of the room fell upon them. It was like night and day, Christian noted. It was almost dark outside, but in here it was as bright as mid-afternoon. A gigantic painting of the sun took up the ceiling, and it glowed a warm yellow light. Jenner said it had cost the owner a small fortune, but he was in for the long haul, and it made a lot of people feel relaxed. It was also one of the few inns that had a stage and entertainment, Jenner added, which was why he liked it. Jenner waved to the owner as they entered, then went down the hall to where a small number of rooms were. He led them to the last door on the left and took them inside. It was a decent room, Christian thought, though much smaller than any room at Jenner's mansion. It had two beds, a closet, and a washroom. Something struck Christian as odd, and then he realized that there was a lack of windows. Just for the night, we head out tomorrow afternoon, Jenner said, tossing some of his gear down. And for now, I'm in desperate need of a bath. Would you two be so kind as to head back out to the bar and let Maven know I need a tailor? She's the barmaid with the long brunette hair with the swallowtail brooch in her ponytail. He walked from the main room into the washroom. And please, don't leave the building. I trust the staff here and the clientele, but don't wander the streets, they heard him say from behind the door. They looked at one another and shrugged, heading back out to the bar. There were few patrons around this evening. The bartender came about from behind the bar and introduced himself to the two when they came out. Christian introduced them as Miss Sapphire and her humble attendant. The man laughed, introducing himself as Jet, and asking if there was anything he could do for them. Christian explained about the tailor and the barmaid, to which Jet laughed again and said he would take care of the tailor, but pointed out Maven from across the way, handing out tankards to a small table of three. Well, 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 if it isn't our fine friend the laundry boy. Christian looked around, worried, until he spotted a lanky man with a lute over his shoulder and a corpulent, dark-skinned man beside him. The performers from the marketplace. Uh, Haviland, was it? Christian asked, going over to say hello, leaving Erica standing by herself. Christian was happy to see them. 
they were familiar faces that never knew who he or Erica were to begin with. Not much of a servant, is he? The barkeep inquired to Erica. Eh, he's new, Erica said, excusing herself and following Christian over to where the two sat. So what brings you to the hallowed hold of Hallen? Havlin asked, taking his loot out to tune it. Ambronsway just smiled and offered Christian a hand to shake. Christian again was impressed by the man's sheer presence, a combination of muscle and girth. I am here traveling with my mistress, Christian explained. Ah, a mistress at your age, Havlin said, giving him Brunsway a wink and a nudge. No, no, not like that. She is my, um, what is the word? Christian said, trying to think. He is my servant, Erica said, stepping forward, giving a slight bow to the two men. Ah, so this is the woman whose laundry you wash, Havlin said, looking over Erica. Indeed, Christian replied, just going with it. Are you two musicians? Erica inquired, looking the two men over with curiosity. I am one of the greatest storytellers to walk the lands. You may already know me as Havlin the Charitable. And this is my traveling companion and sidekick, Umbrunsway. The stocky Lanese man rolled his eyes and shook his head side to side, then offered Erica a smile and a handshake. If Umbrunsway's hand was large to Christian's, they were oceans to Erica. Her entire hand disappeared in his grip as he gave her the lightest of handshakes. Erica giggled and smiled back. The consummate ladies' man he is, Havlin leaned over and whispered to Christian. Umbrunsway's eyes turned to regard Havlin. And impeccable hearing as well, Havlin added. Christian introduced Miss Sapphire to the two of them and asked what brought them here. They learned that they were just passing through on their way to Bothwell, and maybe parts beyond. They had been here two days, since the rates were more reasonable, and last night's performance had drawn respectable coin, most of which they gave to the watch to do with as they saw fit. You missed quite a spectacle last night, Havlin started. Oh, do tell, Erica said, motioning to Christian, who pulled out a chair at the table for her and helped her to her seat, then taking a seat beside them. What kind of performance was it? Performance? Oh, right, that was good too, but I'm talking about those little monsters outside the hold throwing themselves at the gate. The Fae attacked? Christian asked with interest. We'd hear about attacks every now and again when we traveled through here before, but now they come every night. Little critters must breed like rabbits. Umbrunsway nodded his agreement. So what was so special about last night, then? Erica asked. Roland Cross. Who? Erica asked. But Christian sat up in his seat with anticipation. Roland Cross, knight captain of the king's guard, turned devotee of the one god. Umbrunsway made the sign of the one god, pushing his hands together, palm to finger in front of him, then giving a slight nod. The same, Havlin continued, not even looking at his friend, but pausing the story long enough to let the man finish his gesture. So anyways, these little buggers just start throwing themselves at the wall, climbing up it, tossing some kind of viscous goo on the gates, trying to breach them. 
The guards dump a lot of burning pitch down on him, which keeps him at bay. Cross's retinue try picking some of the things off with their crossbows, but the bolts just bounce off of them like they're shooting at stone. So what does Cross do? Tell him, my good sir, Haviland said, turning and nodding at Umbrunsway. Umbrunsway opened his mouth in a large, mock roar, putting his hands up and out, then shook his whole body a little, causing the tankards and glasses on the table to tremble. Exactly! Man jumped! What kind of man jumps off a fifty-foot wall into a sea of swarming little demons? The guy unsheaths his sword mid-fall and swings in a huge overhand swath, Haviland said, mimicking the maneuver himself, bringing his hands overhead and slamming them down on the table. Boom! Haviland said, his fist knocking over his own mug, spilling ale on the table. Christian reached out and righted the glass, not letting too much escape. There's a flash of light and the little buggers just fall back, knocked off their feet. Next thing you know, the man is wading through the little guys, swinging that sword of his one-handed, just cutting them up in droves. Little tricksters never had a chance, did they, Umbrunsway? Umbrunsway shook his head, his arms crossed, nodding in agreement. I tell you, man drops fifty feet into a sea of demons and walks away unscarred, and people still say there's no God. You tell me who's crazier. So, do you believe in the one God? Christian asked. Eh, I'm just saying there's something out there keeping an eye on that man. Umbrunzoi gave Havlin a swift jab to the ribs with his elbow. Oh, and the chubby man to my right is rubbing off on me a little. Umbrunzoi shot Havlin a rude look, to which Havlin gestured with both his hands at Umbrunzoi's body. Umbrunzoi looked down, shrugged, and then looked at Christian and Erica, then nodded for Havlin to continue. The watch say that Cross single-handedly put the biggest hurt on the Dark Fae in the history of the town, sending them back to their holes in the mountain to lick their wounds. Is Cross still here? Christian asked. Yeah, I guess he's staying a bit here to help with the Dark Fae. Said it was his quest or something. Christian reminded himself to tell Jenner about this later. His dad had told him that telling Roland about the attacks and comment would be good if things got too dangerous and they were definitely to that point. He knew Jenner disliked the man, but he seemed to be able to let his sensibilities outweigh his personal feelings when necessary. Hey, Havlin, do you know a lot about Helen's Hold? Christian asked. Anything worth knowing. I need to buy some red dye for one of Miss Sapphire's outfits. Do you think you could buy some for me? I am not to leave her side while here, and we are not to leave the inn. That could be arranged. Just remember to tip your local bard the next time you see one perform. I gotta come back here later anyway. Havlin looked over at his traveling companion. You know, sometimes I don't think that vow of silence of yours is as much of a burden as it should be. Can't even send you out to buy goods for me, Havlin said as he got up. Umbrunsway made a sign of the one god, smiling an innocent smile at Havlin. We shall return shortly. Keep our seats warm and make sure no one takes our table while we're gone. Deal? Deal, Christian said, waving goodbye. Erica got up and curtsied. Havlin nodded and Umbrunsway swept into a low bow, until they thought he might topple over. I like them, Erica said, 
once the two had left the inn. They are interesting, Christian commented. The two of them passed the next hour chatting about what Bothwell would be like. Neither of them had been to the city before, but they had heard many stories, Erica from her mother and Christian from his father. A city built around a mountain, with a castle nestled at the top. Though Thomas said the description was somewhat exaggerated, with it looking more like a castle built on a small elevation that was at the center of the town. But Christian's dad had a way with understatement. Havelin and Umbrunsway returned, Christian paying him for the die. Havelin excused the two of them, saying he wanted some rest before they went on stage, and Umbrunsway needed to meditate. A bit later, Jenner joined them, outfitted in a nice pair of breeches and shirt though not of the high standards they saw him wearing at home. Eh, it's not silk, but one must make ends meet somehow, Jenner said as he joined the two at their table. So how is everything? We met two of Christian's friends, Erica said, pointing to Christian. They were neat. One some sort of musician, the other one's a mute. He is not a mute. He took a vow of silence, Christian said. A holy man that can't speak? I like him already, Jenner laughed, ordering a drink and some food for the three of them. One of them told me that Roland Cross is in town, Christian said as he listened to Jenner order. Now there's a holy man I wish would take the same vow, Jenner sighed. Is he so bad? Christian asked, worried there might be a problem. We just don't see eye to eye on a great many things. Jenner said. But how well do you know the man? Christian asked. Well, for starters, I used to serve under him in the Kingsguard before he went on this sojourn and before I had the sense to know better. You were in the Kingsguard? Erica asked with interest, sitting up in her seat. I, for a time, mother said it would do me good, straighten me out a bit. I made it about a year before the servitude and the lifestyle just got to me, and I left. Was Roland mean to you? Erica asked. No meaner than he was to anyone else. No, Roland was fair, honest, diligent. Then what's wrong with him? Christian asked. There's nothing wrong with him, per se. He just sees things in very black and white. He deals in absolutes and nothing else. And this was before he had his vision. He used to get into a number of scrapes, conflicting opinions on how to handle situations, the best course of action for a given dilemma, what acceptable casualties were for tasked missions from the king. Acceptable casualties? Erica said, her expression going from inquisitive to confused. Roland always has the good of the people at heart. If killing one person means a thousand can live, it's in the ultimate good for the country. And your belief? Christian asked. I mean, everyone makes bad choices in their life. I think people should be given a chance to atone for mistakes and prove that they were the exception, not the rule. I believe that crimes committed because the person has no other choice needs to be looked at differently than crimes of pleasure. And Roland does not, Christian asked. Oh, I mean, I'm sure he hunts down killers with more vehemence than someone that steals bread because their family's starving but he believes both are lawbreakers in the eyes of the law. 
But that doesn't make sense, Erica said. Christian remained silent. His upbringing in the watch made strong conflicts with some of what Jenner was saying. One of the barmaids brought over their food, placing plates of meat and bowls of some type of cheddar bean soup. It all smelled wonderful after the past two days of dried trail rations. Conversation stopped as they began to eat. But without laws, what do we do? Christian ended up saying after a thoughtful minute. We enjoy ourselves, Jenner quipped. I'm kidding, Christian, he interrupted, seeing the forthcoming statement. Don't get me wrong, Roland is an amazing man to have on your side. He has an unbelievable optimism for someone in his situation. His martial skills are unparalleled, and he has the resources of the kingdom at his disposal. Although the king split up some of the guard when Roland declared his newfound faith in the one god, he still commands most of them. It would be foolish not to let him know what's been going on in Calmet, and any aid he can offer will be received with open arms, Jenner explained, then took a bite of a steaming hot piece of chicken. I'm just saying I would like to spend as little time in his presence listening to his views as possible, Jenner finished going back to his meal. Christian tried to figure out if there was anything else to what Jenner said, but he was so hard to read sometimes. Toward the end of their meal, the number of people in the bar seemed to increase. People came out of their rooms to get meals, and a number of customers came in, maybe hoping to catch a little bit of entertainment before they went to bed. Because of the strict law and safety precautions, Hallen's Hold had no curfew. When the point of interest could be counted on one hand, it didn't really matter. When they continued to pour in, Jenner took notice. Something special going on tonight? Jenner asked one of the barmaids as she passed by. Havilah the Charitable, the barmaid said, a ring of mirth in her voice. Who? Jenner asked, though Erica smiled and Christian shook his head. Ah, your friend, Jenner said turning his gaze from the barmaid to Christian. Yes. Will it be entertaining? Jenner asked. I'm rather curious to find that out myself, Christian said, which made Jenner chuckle, but Christian remained contemplative. they just finished up their meal when the room erupted in clapping. From the hallway, a man appeared. Christian recognized Haviland, his attire not that much different from earlier. He had his loot out and was walking, pulling along some multicolored... What? Christian tried to make out what it was beside Havlin, when Erica burst out laughing, shaking so hard she had to grab her seat to keep from falling out of it. Christian tried to take a closer look, and then he stared dumbfounded after a moment's realization. It wasn't a thing. It was in Brunswick. The rotunda man had on the most garish assortment of clothing Christian had ever seen. He had on what looked like a purple bodysuit, with different colored sleeves and pant legs. He also wore a cape that seemed stitched together from several dozen handkerchiefs. On his head he wore a jester's cap of several metallic colors. Ugh, that poor man, Jenner said, looking aghast, holding one hand over his mouth. Christian wanted to agree, but Umbrunzoi looked like he was enjoying himself. 
he had a big smile plastered on his face. And once they got to the stage, he jumped around, waving his arms and bowing to the crowd. He would bow towards one side of the audience, then turn and stiffen his body, falling forward like a tree. When his stomach hit the floor, he would bounce up, feet first, doing a flip and then landing on his feet, bowing to the other side of the audience. He repeated this several times, bouncing and bowing around the stage, while Havlin seemed to be tuning his instrument. People guffawed and cheered at Umbrunsway as he bounced around the stage like some enchanted balloon. When he stopped, he faced Havlin and stuck his hands out like a man unveiling a secret behind a curtain. Havlin acted like he'd been caught off guard, reacting as if he had just noticed the audience for the first time. Jenner was impressed. If nothing else, they both had superb stage presence and timing. What preceded the introduction was an onslaught of lewd body tales so graphic and ridiculous that they made even Jenner blush. The innuendo and double entendres were varied and colorful. What the man lacked in delivery or voice, he made up for with shock and surprise, with Umbrunsway doing fantastical pantomimes and telling gestures to compliment the tales. It was four or five songs in, Jenner surmised, having a hard time telling where one began and others ended, before he grimaced and looked over at his two table guests. Erica seemed to be enjoying herself, laughing on occasion. Jenner guessed she was picking up on the tales, but not all of the subtext. Christian, on the other hand, looked to have a wide array of responses travel across his face, from humor to disgust to disbelief. They listened a bit longer until Havlin began a yarn about a three-legged man and his eager mount. All right, well, I think it's time uh, we should head to bed. We have an early day tomorrow, Jenner said, motioning to both of them and getting up. Christian nodded, getting up, not taking his eyes off the stage. Erica sighed, then smiled, following Jenner back to the room. Once inside, Christian suggested they dye Erica's hair, since they had not had a chance to do it yet. It took longer than they had anticipated. Erica had a lot of hair, and she was used to just dyeing her braids. Jenner had Erica lie on her back while they laid her hair out flat, and Jenner placed a towel under it. Then he and Christian dampened some rags with the dye and wrapped her hair with them, finishing it by filling a small bucket with the excess dye and some water, and had Erica lower her head in upside down. By the time they were done, the noise from the barroom had died down. Christian was just helping Erica get her hair out of the bucket, wrapping a towel around it as she lifted her head and kept her hair collected, when a series of trumpets echoed out from the hall. What is that? Christian asked. Do you think it has something to do with the three-legged man? Erica asked holding her hair with both hands. I think not, Jenner said, getting up and grabbing his rapier. Hello, and thank you for listening to the World of Grey podcast. For any questions about the podcast, or the books in general, email me at podcast at josephporthos.com. My two books, Fallen Throne and Dark Halo, are available for download on the Amazon Kindle store for the low price of $3 apiece. I don't output a ton of updates, but when I do release one, you can find it on Facebook at Joseph Porthos, 
or on my website located at josephporthos.com. I hope you enjoyed today's chapter, and I look forward to you tuning in again next time. This is Joseph Porthos, signing off.